Welcome back. I want to say thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. And I appreciate you of all people entrusting me to deliver the precious word of God to you. Um, And I take great delight in doing it as accurately in context as I know how to do so. Asking God to help me as well. Um, We are picking back up at Acts chapter 19, reading through the New Testament chapter by chapter, as you always hear me say, verse by verse, um, beginning with verse 1 in chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Um, Verse 8, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Um, So I like, of course, you know, Paul, you know, taking the message of Christ forward. Um, I want to back up just a little bit here. Um, Verse 2, Paul talks about uh, the Holy Spirit. This, guys, is so important because God's Spirit is available to live inside of you and and see this was backing up into uh, chapter 18 apollos was preaching jesus but he was not he was preaching the jesus um that john the baptist knew and he was just preaching repent of your sins um and that was where it stopped but see paul is teaching that god's spirit is available to come dwell within you um, and when you believe upon the Lord Jesus, that, that spirit, the Holy Spirit um, dwells in your heart, is near and dear and close to you. Um, so I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a promise for those who believe in Jesus. Um, uh, pushing on ahead, verse 11, I wanted to just, 
highlight as well is it says that God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Okay, guys, be very careful. There is a great danger in Scripture when we think we could do um, what others, what God enabled others to do. You see, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. That does not mean that God is going to give you um, the power to perform miracles. So don't think that you are some miracle worker whenever you want at your disposal that you can just do whatever you want however you want because God has a specific plan and purpose behind every single thing that's said and done um, throughout situations, circumstances. God uses all that stuff to bring people to him to just see he is way above and beyond um, what we know. But there is a great danger, and there are many Christians who are practicing this type of, it's a witchcraft Christianity. Um, it's very, very dangerous. It's, a, it's an extremist. It's a cultish. It's a Christian movement. Um, thankfully, it's not as big as it was years ago. You know, years ago, Christians actually believed whatever you say, um, if you said it long enough, you'll get it. You know, and it's just they, they use God as some genie, so to speak, uh, to get whatever they want, pretty much. And they think that they are at in the charge of, of giving this Holy Spirit out to whoever, whenever they want, healing whoever. That's all witchcraft, guys. Jesus spoke very clearly about those people. Um, back in Matthews, he said that you... When you come before me, you will say, Lord, Lord, I did miracles in your name. You know, I cast out devils and I healed the sick. Um, but Jesus will say, get up, get away from me. I never knew you. Um, so be careful with that. You, you let scripture interpret itself. And if you have trouble understanding something, read it a few times and, and, and see what it's saying. And there is tons of personal application in the Bible of stuff that will uh, relate directly to you. Um, but you got to learn how to sort through that stuff and, and see if it was talking to that moment in particular or if it has a general context that I can take this truth from it, apply it to my life, and, and, and receive God's blessing. You know, So I want to just, just uh, make that very clear. Um, verse 13, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their, incant in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Verse 16. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, naked and battered. Verse 17. The story of, the story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. 
Verse 19, a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Verse 20, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Verse 21, afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Aristus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. 23. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. So we see here the way, Christians are still being called the way, um, and there is trouble outbreaking. So let's dive in and see what that is. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of our great goddess, Artemis, um, will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worship throughout the province of Asia, and all around the world will be robbed of her great prestige. So we we see that Paul is having he's affecting business um, where they are obviously producing these carved gods, um, I, like similar probably to like I, I'm trying to give an example of of today like a rabbit foot. Um, but back then, they, they actually believed that there was sacred meaning in an object or even a symbol. You know, so, so Paul's preaching is, is obviously affecting business because they're like, oh, golly, this is like man-made. You know, there, there's nothing to this. is nothing more than an object. And, and he's putting people in contact with the true living God, you know, through Jesus Christ. In verse 28, at this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Articus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Excuse me. Paul wanted to go in too. But the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. <laughs> they were just there to be a part of something. Sounds like a protest 
um, going on nowadays, you know, that most people just, just go there to belong to something. They don't even care what the cause is, the moral in it. They just want to um, belong. But verse 33, the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He mentioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So what they're trying to do is take back ground. Um, you know, that Paul had converted these believers and created a following which you know, went so far to affect their business, producing these handmade object gods. And so Paul is, is, is having a great effect. So they are trying to rally the people back. Um, we see a form, it's basically politics taking place. Um, politics were, were taking place way back then. It's not a new strategy. This strategy is, you can see it clear as day right here in Acts chapter 19, um, that they are trying to you know, deceive the people's minds and obviously get their business back. Um, verse 35, at last the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. Verse 37, you have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. Verse 38, if Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges. Verse 39, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in the legal assembly. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them and they dispersed. Um, so this brings chapter 19 to a close. We see an interesting story here of you know, basically a political matter taking place to where business has been disrupted by the gospel of Jesus Christ because that that's what Jesus does. I mean, Jesus is powerful and he moves in powerful ways through his people. Um, and I love how they try to manipulate the situation. You can see politics. This is a prime example of what politics does. I don't care if it's Demo Democrat, Republican, Nowadays, where we're at, it's all the same. It's all hogwash, guys. Don't be deceived by Democrats or Republicans, either way you want to look at it. Um, but I wanted to point out a verse of, if this is not, you know, verse 36, they said, since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. They are literally, that is almost the biggest brainwashing statement um, so to speak, you know, it's an undeniable fact. It's, it's leading, you know, it's putting words in people's mouths and, you know, it's basically speaking for them, telling them what they should believe in the statement. You know, it's, it's a form of narcissism and our politics does it all the time. 
um, uses fear, all kinds of different tactics through the news, the media. They use all those those avenues um, to manipulate their agenda, guys. So, and that's the cool thing is Christ will give you the ability to see right right through all of that um, to what matters. Uh, but I'm not a big politics guy. I don't ever want politics to get involved with you know the message of the gospel because it it really has no place and all politics does is distorts distorts everything so i do want to say thank you for tuning in thank you for following along i really appreciate you um because you appreciate studying god's word and um i look forward to bringing chapter 20 of acts to you welcome back Thanks for joining in um, to today's podcast. We are picking back up where we left off in the book of Acts. We will begin with chapter 20. Um, Real quick, just want to give a brief recap. Um, I think for the past 10 or so chapters, we, well, I guess since Acts chapter 9, we see Paul's conversion. Um, Well, Saul at the time, Saul... Paul is Saul, so we see Paul going into full effect, and we really see Paul taking over the show, so to speak. Um, but Acts is is a history book of the first century church. Um, it shows the pioneer of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the advancing of the gospel of Jesus Christ into an unknown, uh, a world that... Uh, was unknown to the to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we see Paul. Paul is being the forerunner, um, so to speak, and um, his mission trips. We're seeing him plant himself in churches for up to two years at a time, teaching, um, getting believers rooted and grounded in Jesus, and and I believe teaching some of the awesome things Jesus taught in the Old Testament. Um, prophecies that were talking about the coming of Jesus and just really setting down this theology in the Christian church, probably telling them what not to tolerate, um, what to look for, warnings, you know, um, and things of that nature. Um, Obviously, problem solving is always an ongoing effort. Um, Context is very key. You know, just really laying laying down the foundational principles to love one another, share what you have. Um, we've seen that reference back in Acts. The believers were always eating together, you know, just sharing life, talking life. Man, what's up? What's going on? How's life going? What, you know, are you experiencing difficulties? Maybe I have some of what you don't, you know. And that seems to be the first century uh, Christian church or the way they called it reference, I believe, four or five different times up until this point, um, the followers of Jesus being called the way. Um, so I'm going to pick back up chapter 20, verse 1. When the uproar was over, Paul sent the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. I want to make a quick note. 
Um, it talks about Paul encouraging believers many times in the book of Acts. That seems to be the going rate. And I think that is very worthy of note because we see Apostle Paul, the great things he does. He's pioneering. He, you know, he just, he's really a, a forerunner and, and a brave hero of the faith. Um, we're not all called to be Paul. We're not all called to take an aggressive approach um, with the gospel um, and confront and all that. We really don't need to do that at this point. You know, as being believers, the, the key is building relationships with with people of faith, outside of the faith. None of that really matters. But, um, but one thing I wanted to point out is that, that Paul is an encourager. I believe everywhere he went, he pointed out the good things he was seeing, you know, in the church or, you know, it just constantly references him giving encouragement, guys. That is so key. And and that is what I would like to say, a practical application statement that we should be encouraging other people, period. Um Verse 3, where he stayed for three months, he traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Took another route there. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, um, Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, some very hard names to pronounce in the Bible, uh, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, uh, Tychicus, Tri- Triphosmus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Trios. People were with Paul, is what I should have said. <laughs> um, so we see Paul has has wingmans. He's he's got guys with him helping him out. Um he wasn't doing this all alone. He had a team. Um it is key that we um operate in a team or a community so to speak um in life. We have to. Um if you are out doing life all by yourself, that that is going to be a lonely lone a hard road, a cold, hard road. Um, verse 6, After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia and five days later joined them in Tros, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preached. Paul preached to them, And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where he he met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man, Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they all all went back upstairs, shared the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. 
Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt, and everyone was greatly relieved. Wow, quite the story there. Um, we see Paul was long-winded. You know, Paul Paul had stuff to say, man. Paul was on a mission. He was very mission-minded. And, you know, that sometimes I think is is the key um in life is is knowing your mission knowing what you were sent to do knowing what you are really good at doing what do you really like to do um and maybe you've never really discovered your purpose um but i want to encourage you to take a season of your life quiet down all the noise get rid of social media really um really silence all the outside voices and really tune in to god and I'm telling you, God will reveal your strengths, what he created you to do, what you do really good. Um, and, you know, he'll help you to discover your purpose. Um, you know, my purpose is pretty much always the same. It just uh, may change depending where I'm at as far as my, my focal point. But I take a pretty practical approach at life. Um and and I am I have a gift of engagement. I know how to engage in relationships and and build trust um, through being very vulnerable. Um, I like to share some of the secrets in my life, things that's happened to me, things I've struggled with, and I've really found that to work well in helping others to open up too. Um, but a lot of what how God has fashioned and formed me and my purpose is to really unlock people and help people reach their full potential. Um, I believe I am a, a high impact person who produces great effects um, rather quickly in people's lives. Um, and and God, God created me that way. And when I didn't know my purpose... You know, I would operate and do so many different things that I was never really able to to hone in and be really sharp and effective in in that single area of of helping people discover, you know, really who they are and and kind of help them just navigate certain things. Um but but yeah, you know, I mean, it's important to take that season out of your life and really um, discover, you know, and ask God, you know, what he created you to do and and things like that. Um, I'm going to pick back up verse 13. Um, Paul went by land to Asos where he had arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. And I want to make a quick note real quick. Um, Acts is believed to have been written by Luke. Um, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. So when when you hear, like right there, the reference of us to join him, that is Luke talking. Um, verse 15, the next day we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later we arrived at Miletus. You see a lot of travel by water. You know, they are basically mission, boat missionaries um, hitting island and island. You know, I, I don't know the exact area where they were at. They were somewhere over in Greece, running around through Syria and Asia and in and, and places, you know, somewhere in that 
um, cortex. But uh, verse 16, Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miltus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the Prince of Asia until now, I have done the the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. Excuse me. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. That pretty much right there in the scripture right there, uh, verse 20 and 21 of the 20th chapter of the book of Acts are highly important verses. Um, and I love that that he says... You know, this is one of the gifts that Paul had was was speaking the truth, man. He said, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, man. And if there's ever a good friend, you know, they will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Those are the greatest people to be treasured um, because they are, you know, showing you maybe things you're not able to see. And, and feedback, man, I'm telling you, honest feedback will be so much better than people who are trying to pretend to be something, you know, they're not truly your friend. Your friend's going to tell you the truth, the hard truth. And Paul said right here, he, he testifies of his own honesty. Um, and I love it, man. I love that he never shrank back. He, he, he didn't allow fear and pleasing of people to stop him from from in instructing and rebuking, you know, and, and saying what needed to be said. And I like in verse 21, the basic message is repenting from your sin, turning away from your sin, and turning to God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ right there. That's grace. That's what grace does. The grace of God will help you to repent from your sin and it will turn you to God. And as your focus turns to God, it will turn away from your own sin and having faith in the Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Right there, you find out Paul's purpose. He reveals it in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Jesus assigned this work to Paul. If you remember in Acts uh, chapter 9, Jesus met Paul in the road where he was going to um, persecute, kill, capture Christians, whatever he could do, get his hands on them. 
um, throw him in prison, bind him up. Well, he had a confrontation with Jesus Christ on that road of Damascus that forever changed his life. Um, and he said that his work was telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Beautiful. Uh, verse 25, And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Verse 26, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Basically saying, I told you guys the truth. If you don't want to believe it, don't believe it. But I'm telling you, you're going to face eternal death. Um, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out, verse 31. We get some harsh instruction. Paul is giving them some, some pretty harsh things here, but he's, he's telling them what they need to hear. Verse 31, watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day. And my many tears for you. Verse 32. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Verse 33. I have never coveted anyone's silver, gold, or fine clothes. Verse 34, you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. Verse 35, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36, when he had finished speaking, he knelt. And prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced a, and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. That brings Acts chapter 20 to a close. But man, what a powerful, powerful charge that Paul gives the leaders of the Ephesian church. Now, keeping that, you know, portion of scripture in context, that portion of scripture was given to leaders of, of, of Ephesus um, to, to govern the, the Ephesians, you know, God's people, so to speak. These were the leaders. And the instruction that he gave to them was was really powerful. And, it, you know, there are some things that was spoken in that that are definitely you can take some some of what was spoken and, and definitely, you know, 
you need to apply that into today's world, such as, you know, being able to recognize false teachers. And, and we see that Paul said, watch out. Remember, three years I was with you. He constantly watched and cared. I love that. Watch and care. You know, those are the two things he mentions right there. Um, if you find yourself a leader in the house of God, you know, those are the two charges that, that you know, you can personally apply those two to your life. To watch over people and to care for people. Night and day, he said. Um, but wow, that's just a beautiful message. He knew he wasn't going to see him again. There was a very heartfelt uh, moment in that chapter right there. It was it was beautiful, you know, and, and Paul had a, a huge impact on, you know, the Ephesus church and the body of believers there in, in Ephesus, you know, and they were truly going to miss Paul. And um, I'm, I'm sure that had to have been heart-wrenching, um, you know, but Paul knew he had a mission to do and he had to continue um, voyaging and, and journeying, you know, strengthening, developing these these teams and churches and, and setting this foundational work that was going to last all the way, you know, into our, our world and, you know, into our time. You know, so Paul is truly to be respected, man, and I am super thankful for his words, you know, that I can really look at and, and engage in my own life and kind of, you know, find find ways to apply them and dig out the truths of what was spoken and how it was spoken, who it was spoken to, and, and what, what was the purpose of why it was being spoken, Um. But yeah, I just want to say thank you to you guys as well for for choosing me to deliver God's word to you and, and to really feed you is ultimately what it is. It's a spiritual meal. Every time you hear me talk, my words, I want to say something real quick because I think this is so important. When Shane talks, my words are few. Um, you, you know, there may be a little bit of insight in my words, but when I speak God's word off the, the Holy Scripture, the, the Word of God is power. And it is so much power. Um, and it's just, um, you know, it's very instructional, transformational. You know, when I speak on my own, I'm speaking of my experiences, you know. And, you know, it's there's a lot of relatability that can be made there. But my don't ever get my words confused with the Word of God, man. Um I am thankful that we have this word to navigate our lives and our faith through. And we get to look back and see the first century church, um, Apostle Paul, you know, that Jesus reference upon the apostles, he will build his church. And we see that being done right here in Acts, the apostles pioneering um, the first century church. And ultimately, Christ is going to build his church, you know, from there on out off of what the apostles did here, the 12, the 12 apostles. Um, thank you guys.